Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. It is time now for Why It Matters. And it matters because workplace challenges are plenty and common. I think all of us would agree with that yeah. statement. Yeah, And of course, many studies have repeatedly identified skills gaps as a common problem in the workplace. Okay. So many of us have taken the chance to upgrade our skills and knowledge through courses and lessons during the pandemic. However, I've always felt to make a real difference, managers and leaders need to undergo some upskilling and reskilling as well. That is very true because you've got the employees on one hand completely, you know, going through that pressure of you need to upskill up. What about the leaders, right? That's the question you and I keep asking. <laughs> and, and they got to recognize what the challenges are as yeah. well of going through that upskilling process, Yeah, you know? I think HR has been spending a lot of time coming up with very good L&D programs. HR departments in most companies have been doing that. But are the L&D programs for leadership really enough? How can oh. leaders and managers upgrade themselves? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's find out more. Uh, Yo Chuan uh, Chuan, who is founder and executive coach for Ace Sense, is on the line. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Really nice to be here. Uh, so it's an interesting time that we've chosen to talk about this because right now it's like the world is going through this great resignation. I suppose to start us off, I mean, what are your thoughts on the great resignation? Well, I think if we have been watching the trends, I think managers, leaders around the world should not be surprised. I think it's really accelerated by the disruption from both COVID-19 and technology. And technology disruption has been happening for years before COVID-19 happened. Um, So I think the shift between work and life is probably one of the greatest influences that's driving the great vaccination. So I think this is high time for leaders to pay attention to this. However, some experts have pointed out that actually what we're seeing in Singapore is not quite the same as what we're seeing in the US in regard to the Great Resignation. What have your observations been, though? Is it unfurling, unfolding differently here in Singapore and in what ways? I think the pace could be slightly different. In certain sectors, I'm seeing it faster. In certain sectors, a little bit more stable. Maybe they have a turnover rate of maybe 2-3% every year, but maybe in the last year, it was maybe 5-6%. So it doesn't seem so alarming. I think there are a lot of um, variables there. It depends on the industry, the, the pay package overall, and the mindset of people. I think that is then the greatest influencer driving this great recognition or great promotion or whatever trend that we are describing. Ultimately, is what employees want and what they are ready for. But I think with the global trend, eventually it will impact certain effects here as well. I think it will show up very soon. Um, People are more open to taking up remote jobs with overseas companies. It's like the world is our playground now. Mm. So with a lot more receptivity, I think we are really vying for the same talent with every competitor on the global stage. Miss Yo, I'm curious, and, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. I want to try and expand on it a little bit. So you're a career coach. I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like employees are more ready to move along than employers. What, what's, where's the frustration here on the employer's part? 
Mm, I think it's their perception of what employees want <laughs> versus the reality. So I think okay. it's really that time for the reality check. Right. The gap is there. Not quite connected to, to the way the world is moving in that sense. In a way, in a way. Like, for example, one of the key initiatives when I speak to leaders, mm. they will say, oh, let's increase the pay package. Yeah. But it's to their so surprise, simple. it's not so simple. People don't stay. Uh, okay. Money has diminishing value now, in a way. Mm. People want more. Mm. So they really need to look at how they are satisfying their needs, like purpose, growth, um, you know, leader as a facilitator, as a coach. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned that because haven't we been hearing this for decades now? People don't leave their jobs. People yeah. don't leave companies. Yeah. They are leaving their managers. They yeah. are leaving their leaders, yeah. right? And yeah. I think we can all relate to this. We've all done it at one point or another. <laughs> Left a job, not because we dislike the job or the pay package, but because the leader just wasn't leading well enough. Let's first of all talk about the difference between leaders and managers. I mean, a lot of people have said, okay, leaders tend to be intentional, visionary. They inspire people towards that vision. Managers are mostly operational. They just have people working for them. Some might say to be truly successful, you have to be both. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, Bharati. You have to be both. You have to be cognitively sharp, critical thinking, strategic thinking, operationally sound and really look at how do you improve efficiency and effectiveness of people's work. I think that's the operational part. But on the other side, that's the leading part. How do you inspire people? And I think the way that leaders now need to inspire people has already changed. It's less of the charismatic style. I mean, we are now seeing more and more C-suite leaders who probably don't exhibit typical charismatic leadership qualities, mm. but they are highly effective. And why? They have found their own way to connect with the employees down to the very last person to unpack their message and make it personal to them instead of always for the organization. I think that's one stark difference as well. Make that inspirational message personal instead of always coming from the organizational lens. Where does this put the whole idea of an appraisal system? Because it's so, and, and I've, I've long had a peeve with this, right? You have some kind of a rubrics and you follow the rubrics. Even in schools, they got to get rid of this. How, how, do we, how do we fix this? I evaluate you, you evaluate me. Can you accept? Employees, evaluation of an employer. <laughs> Ego, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. Because there, I mean, traditionally in our education system, the teacher-student has a certain relationship where yeah. I give you the yardstick, you strive for it, you are supposed to reach 100 marks. So when you bring that mindset to the workplace, between manager and, and followers is the same. I give you the KPIs, your job is to not ask questions and follow it. And that is fast changing as well. So earlier we talked about the changing relationship between work and life. Another one that's changing is between leaders and followers. I think the power dynamics has shifted quite a bit. Employees are saying very clearly what kind of leaders do they want, how do they want to be led, what kind of job do they want to do and where, where they want to do. I think flexibility is a big thing. So when it comes to appraisals then, I think it will help leaders to rethink when they are practicing new leadership styles or strategies, would it then make sense to get quick feedback from, your, from the people that you are trying to lead? Okay. So make, make the appraisal a two-way process. Ask for feedback and you give feedback as well. I think then it's a co-creation space. I think this has to do with those 360 evaluations that a lot of people have been talking about over the years. But some people have said, look, it doesn't really work because the employee's feedback isn't 
often taken seriously. I have heard managers say, oh, this one I know. I know who put down this feedback and this person has a chip on their shoulder. And it's often discounted. Mm. So how do you get organisations, leaders and organisations as a whole to take all of this seriously and not just dismiss it like that? Yeah, good point, good point. I'm, and I'm glad you brought it up because that's also one of my pain points. Every time I have to debrief a 360, I think the interpretation of the reports can definitely be tightened. There's a lot of data there in a 360 report and people spend quite a bit of time typing it in, right? Mm. Um, but the way we are interpreting it and drawing meaningful connections is not sharp enough. And I think that's where the value add of a coach, of a consultant can really add value to that, to understanding what is really happening in the landscape, what are people really saying, and make this into actionable learning points for the leader. Then we will see the improvement. Okay. And and since you brought that up, uh, we understand you have a we 4 coaching model, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Uh, yes. Tell us about it. How is it effective? Sure. So the first step is exactly what we have been talking about. We are talking about global trends, mm. you know, all these uh, patterns that we are seeing. So the first step is to reconstruct the map. And the map really talks about what is happening in the landscape right now. I think many of us have heard leadership is contextual. So how you lead depends on the context. It depends on the map. Many times we need a reality check because what we believe reality to be is often not true. It's not 100% true. So first time it's highly important to reconstruct the map first. That's when I spend the most time. And it leads nicely to the second one, which is to refresh your lens, which basically means challenge your assumptions, renew some of the generalizations. Okay. And then uh, there are two other steps after, but I want to emphasize the last one is really to rebuild your capabilities. Skills training only comes at the end when we have the right mindset and attitude. Mm, right, right. So that self-evaluation is an important step towards becoming better, isn't it? However, there was something you mentioned earlier, that good leaders take a very personalized approach down to the last employee. I've had some leaders say, okay, so much more is expected of me these days. And I have so many different types of employees. How much more do I have to bend over backwards for each group of employees? How do you manage that? Mm. I think if we express it as bend over backwards, that gives a negative connotation and I think it's that uh, energy from the leaders. Right, right. But if we reframe it and we say, how can I invite more people to join my vision? Mm. So it's an invitation. Instead of me giving ground so that they can come in, like I'm losing, how can I invite them? How can I make this more inviting? I think in you know a lot of businesses, when we do sales, marketing, we always say follow the consumers. We have to tailor the message to fit the consumers. And we won't ever ask ourselves this question, how much more do I have to bang over backwards for the consumers? So that interesting dynamic only happens when we are talking about employees. So I think reframing is quite important that we, we really need to pay attention to the global talent crunch because you could pay, but you might not be able, be able to get talent if you don't have a good overall brand value. Nobody wants to join the organization. So if you make your brand so inviting where you individualize, you flex, you make people excited to be part of your organization, I think it will work much better. Miss Yo, 
if I am a manager or even at a supervisory level and I have high turnover rate, I, I keep losing key staff, what would your advice be? And, and, and we're talking key staff here. What, what would your advice be in terms of step one of evaluation? Do I look at it as, well, hiya, just people are just going to competition, more money and all that? Or can I really fix this problem? Is there something wrong with me? Is it a good habit to say I'm the problem first? Yeah, definitely. I, I have a good friend who told me a story of Bob. They say A has a problem with Bob, B has a problem with Bob. So who's the problem? Is it A, B, or Bob? <laughs> and uh, that that sense, she just left that sentence. Don't be Bob, you know. So if that if, okay. if if you are the common denominator, I think we really need to be courageous. I, I really want to say, you know, if we construct the map. We need courage, humility to really look at it and own the problem. When we are accountable and responsible, then we will do pro- make practice steps to really correct the, the issue. Uh, of course, it's uncomfortable because yeah. we are saying, you know, we have gotten quite successful based yeah. on yeah. old mindset. And now we are saying, oh, let's overhaul everything. I think that's the real difficulty. So it's understandable. Yeah, I think it's completely understandable. These are very difficult things to confront, right? Mm. And already leaders, some of the leaders I know, uh, they have problems confronting problems within the organization with specific members of staff. What more now having to confront their own deficiencies and fixing them? I can totally understand how that might be very, very uncomfortable indeed. But I'm sure that HR departments and other parts of the organization also have a lot to do with making all of this easier. As I mentioned when we first started, HR departments seem very focused on coming up with great L&D programs for people at the lower levels, the rank and file. But what about leadership development here? You know, Mm. maybe engaging coaches like you to come in and really sit down and mentor leaders. Leaders need to be mentored before they can mentor others, right? Yeah, that's true. You cannot give what you do not have. One of the famous quotes from John Maxwell world's number one uh, leadership guru. Uh, You are right. Uh, And that's why I think during this period, ever since the pandemic started, the demand for executive coaching has really increased. People really need that white space to really think about what they really want to do, to be more intentional, more strategic. Safe space is very important. And we talk about psychological safety a lot in organizations. Managers need it as well. And in fact, they are the most stressed out lot uh, in a survey done by Gallup last year, just last year. So we really need to support them. And the kind of conversations that we have has also shifted, also influenced by the great vaccination, the shift in dynamic between work and life. A lot more about questioning what is their purpose, what is their legacy they want to leave behind, who are they as human beings. So the kind of conversations I find has shifted quite a bit as well. A person in a managerial position once said to me, I'm old school. And I said, good luck, you'll be left behind. (laughs) Mm. It's very easy to say gratitude is the answer. It's very easy to say, oh, if I check in, you think I care. If I don't check in, you think I don't care. Where do I want to be a good leader one day? Where do I start? Hmm, Where do you start? I think let's take it one step at a time. That's this metaphor I always use with clients. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. It's a big chunk of work that we are trying to do. I, I think, you see, when we look at the global trends, like one of the easiest ones, which I think will benefit all listeners today, look at the mindset. Do I look at leader as the savior and the hero who needs to provide answers all the time? Mm. Is that a productive mindset to have? Or should I look at leaders as 
facilitator, and you have all these assets within your organization, all your experts, all your talents, tap on them. So make it uh, not a lonely journey, make it a collective journey instead of you standing alone. And that can be quite scary. So I think that's one shift. I think work at it one at a time. Dechunk it. Otherwise, it's very tough. You know, some people say it it is tough even if you did that. You know, I'm so busy putting out fires every day. COVID-19 has impacted (laughs) my business in terrible ways. Where do I have the luxury of time for all of this to sit down and, you know, go through leadership training? Make a business case for it, Chuen Chuen. If you think of your field, uh, time as a field, well, this one is for a story I picked up somewhere, yeah? so I just want to give credit to that person. So if you think of time as a field, do you have flowers or do you have weeds in the field? So you, you will get weeds if you squander every second away. Mm. But you will get flowers if you're intentional and strategic. The, I think the hard truth is the higher you go, the more you need time to yourself to strategize and look at things at a bigger picture. Because otherwise you'll be running all over the place and everybody else will be following your lead. And that is a lose-lose situation. So I would rather leaders now prioritize aggressively, really look at attention management instead of time management, look at attention management. Where are the pieces that require your attention the most and where can you create the greatest value for you and your people? And most importantly, don't be bored. Yes, that's the biggest takeaway from all of this and beautiful imagery as well. We've been speaking with Yo Chen Chen, who is founder and executive coach for Ace Sense. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Take care and stay safe. Okay, thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.